Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Middle East expert, author, and journalist Robin Wright has reported from more than 140 countries spanning six continents. She is a contributing writer to The New Yorker and a joint fellow at the U.S. Institute of Peace and the Woodrow Wilson International Center for Scholars. She'll be in town tonight talking about her career as part of the St. Louis Speaker Series. For more, here is producer Laura Hamden. From revolutions to war zones, Robin Wright has covered massive moments in world history, all without a team by her side or a helmet on her head. She's been on the front lines covering ISIS, interviewed former Libyan dictator Muammar Gaddafi, and seen the end of apartheid in South Africa. With so much coverage, I asked Wright what moments stick out most to her. Well, I've covered every Middle East war, uprising, and revolution since 1973. Um, I've witnessed some of the great political transitions, whether it's the end of communism in Eastern Europe or the Soviet Union. I was in Soweto, South Africa, for the uh, first black mass uprising in 1976 and went back to watch Nelson Mandela walk to freedom um, 14 years later. So I've been very lucky in being able to witness the great moments of history in my life. I've traveled with every president since Jimmy Carter and almost every secretary of state since Henry Kissinger. So what led you to become interested in journalism in the first place and specifically foreign affairs reporting? Total accident. My father had only girls and he loved sports. And I, as the oldest child, was schlepped to every football, basketball, baseball game that my father wanted to go to. And when I went to college, I thought, as a joke, I would join the student paper. I had no interest in journalism and write one article on sports just to get back at my dad. And, of course, the joke was on me. I spent the rest of my life covering the entire world. What, what about it made you fall in love with it? I guess it was, you know, getting close to what's happening. The media is just that. It is a medium between people between events that are happening or people who are making history and those who see it from a distance and the privilege of being close up and watching history unfold, be it on a football field or in a war zone, uh, has really sustained my or captivated my interest all my life. So what kinds of stories or angles excite you when you go to cover a revolution or a a war zone or any story in in general? Well, I guess um, it's the human dimension It's not just how many people have been affected or have been killed. Uh, It's not just how many guns are being fired or what type of guns. I'm really looking at what is the – I like to look at what the human dimension, the human cost, um, how it affects life, how it it affects uh, politics. I I like to look at the – not just the armed part of a conflict – I like to look at all, all the other aspects as well. Do you aim to change perceptions when you go in to cover these stories? I always make a point of going in with a clean slate. I don't want to take conventional wisdom. My dad was a law professor, and he taught his students as well as his children to look at every issue, every problem, by standing on top of the world down. And that's always been my approach to any conflict, even if I've been brought up in a a country that is more sympathetic to one side in a conflict, I make sure I, I go to both sides. And I I often will go to the side that is perceived as um, the enemy or 
um, the bad guy, in part to understand what it is that has led a country to that point, to its people either to believe in a system or to fight for a system, um, so that I kind of have the the full spectrum uh, of understanding. You're a Middle East expert. How did that come about? Well, I landed in, in the Middle East on October 6, 1973, which was the day the Fourth Middle East War broke out. And I remember someone at the airport whispering to me, the Egyptians have just crossed the Suez Canal. And and the region, because it's the most volatile part of the world, continues to keep sucking me back to cover different conflicts, uh, different crises. I've gone to other parts of the world um, to cover, you know, other political events or other turning points. But that part of the world uh, keeps summoning me back. And it is the most consistently captivating, um, if troubled, part of the world. And how has being a woman posed any challenges or has it posed any challenges in your career or when you go to a country where women's rights are, are lacking? It's a very good question. When I went to Africa in the 1970s, there were 106 members of the Foreign Press Corps, and 105 of them were boys. And it was very hard to try to prove my bona fides as a woman that I could cover any political crisis, any war zone, as well as they could. And I'm very proud of the fact that there are a growing number today of foreign correspondents who are female, a growing number of war correspondents. Um, I think we add a kind of different uh, dimension to some of the stories. And places like Iran and Saudi Arabia, I often find that I'm put in a slightly different category because I'm an American, that they assume that I will have more rights. But I still, when I go to Iran, have to wear a scarf like the women do there to cover my hair. Um, I believe in, I mean, I have to obey the laws in in any country, but uh, I also, you know, I don't mind um, observing cultural preferences not challenging them openly. It wouldn't do me any good to take a scarf off in Iran. Do you feel like that helps you blend in better with the environment and gets people to open up more? Well, I always think that being willing to listen to what someone else has to say helps get access to someone, uh, helps them explain their story more thoroughly or more candidly. Um, but, you know, in, in, in some places, I um, Saudi Arabia, you have to dress modestly, and I dress modestly, even though um, I might not wear dress that way at home. It's, again, uh, I'm not there to impose my culture on them. I'm here to hear, I'm there to, to understand what they're doing, why they're doing it, what the people believe, even if that's not something I agree with. What kind of advice would you give female journalists entering these kinds of positions? Go for it. <laughs> Don't let anybody stand in your way. Um, you know, we always, for a long time, I think women correspondents always believed they had to uh, work harder, do more, endanger their endanger their lives more to prove that they were just equals. Uh, and I think that we've proven ourselves. And I, you know, I don't have any um, advice that would differ from going after any other position in life. So when you go into these countries, how do you end up finding your angles, your the people, the stories? Do you know, it's, it's always letting people that I meet 
steer me toward what is newsworthy? What are the trend lines? How are things evolving? What is political? Um, you know, I don't go in with a supposition. Uh, I think that's dangerous. We sometimes take something we um, are told by, whether it's our government or um, our professors or whatever, and kind of go to a, a foreign country and try to prove that that's correct. I really try to go in and um, look independently and talk to a broad range of people. I enjoy talking to senior officials, but I enjoy just as much talking to people on the streets that I meet, whether it's in a refugee camp or um, in a boutique, you know, started by, for example, um, young women or the new Internet and technology entrepreneurs, um, the young who are up and coming and who increasingly define uh, the political agendas in many developing countries. So it's um, it's kind of an adventure. It's really figuring out what's new, what's interesting, what hasn't been written about, what um, but but is very important in understanding how the future will unfold. And do you go in with a team, or do you have a team when you go uh, to these countries? No, <laughs> I've never gone in with a team. I've never had a flak jacket, a helmet. Um, I go in with my used to be a pen and 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 paper, and now with my computer, and that's it. With the decline in foreign correspondent positions, what advice do you have for aspiring journalists interested in entering that field? You know, that is a real problem, that I'm very fortunate that I lived in the heyday of uh, newspapers, both medium and large newspapers having foreign bureaus. And, the you know, the number of papers that have just eliminated them completely is staggering, or the number of even mainline papers that use stringers and don't provide, whether it's a, a guaranteed income or health uh, and pension benefits, is really tragic um, because it it in my generation you either spoke the language or you studied the region or you really knew a lot about it. And I fear that there are a lot of young correspondents who are going out who don't have that background but are willing to put their necks on the line in some very dangerous places. Uh, just to get, you know, what is a kind of pittance, but it's the only way they can make their names or try to compete for the bigger positions, full-time positions on major papers. It's really tough these days. And, and it affects, I think, the kind of knowledge we have as Americans. We have great access, um, courtesy of the Internet and so forth, to information, but we don't always have access to really reliable information and or neutral information that isn't reflecting one pole or the other of the political spectrum. And that worries me a lot in terms of uh, the maturity of our knowledge about the world and our decision-making. So if you had to make the case, what's the value in having foreign bureaus? Oh, I think it's vital. I mean, we all like to know what's happening politically in the United States, but remember the vast majority of the world's population is elsewhere. And we don't have a great knowledge. I mean, when you think about how large China is and that that we're lucky if a major paper has one correspondent there to cover, you know, um, more than a billion people. Same with India. Uh, these are, you know, the the major security challenges in a globalizing world. The major economic challenges in a globalizing world are elsewhere, and we are decreasingly capable of understanding or or integrating because of the level of our knowledge. And I think that's a real pity. 
And lastly, when with your upcoming talk here in St. Louis, what kind of things can your audience expect from your speech? I'm going to talk about the world's most volatile region and some of the extraordinary moments, um, both good and bad. I'm hoping that people come away with the kind of human dimension. I have lots of stories, whether it's about interviewing Muammar Gaddafi, um, uh, his high heels were higher than mine, um, you know, the kind of insights into the people who've defined the region, uh, insight into conflicts, what it's like being on the front lines with ISIS uh, in Iraq and on the Syrian border. Um, so I'm going to give people a kind of wide taste of the region today, uh, how we got to where we are and where it's going. So being somebody from the Middle East, I'm always interested to hear what other people's perceptions are when they go to that region. Was there anything that surprised you or you appreciated things that you observed in that region? Well, I think that I've always found that whatever country I'm in, and these countries are all very, very diverse. They are not one type of people, one religion, one culture. But the one common denominator is the kind of hospitality and generosity of spirit I've often found, even uh, among people who may not like American foreign policy. Well, thank you so much, Robin Wright. It was a pleasure to speak with you, and thank you for joining us on St. Louis on the Air. Great to be with you. That's longtime journalist and author Robin Wright talking with producer Laura Hamden about Wright's career as a foreign affairs reporter. She'll be in St. Louis tonight as part of the St. Louis Speaker Series at Powell Hall. Archive versions of past St. Louis on the Air programs are available for download or podcast at sdlpublicradio.org. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU. Thank you for listening. I'm Don Marsh.